Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And I'm going to start the show this week by shaming John. He admitted to me that he placed an actual real money bet on the Pro Bowl last week, which is right up there with betting on the Super Bowl coin toss in terms of indicating you have a problem. John, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, yeah, the word uh, the word shame definitely comes to mind. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, a buddy of mine told me last week uh, he likes the NFC and the Pro Bowl, loves the over. He seems so sure, you know. So I said, ah, I'll put $2. I think that's the minimum bet, by the way. Uh, $2 on the over. That's okay. Um, so then I actually turned the game on for the first time in 30 years at least, and I see the AFC has a 20 to nothing lead late in the third quarter of their eventual 26 to 7 cover and under win. So 0 for 2 for my pal, uh, 0 for 1 for me. And that's kind of when it hit me. You know, I think state regulators should see to it that all pro ball bets are considered losers. You know, I'm picturing someone who goes back into their favorite app and notices $100 less in their account. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then they see their $100 wager has been marked lost the day before the game's even played. I'm figuring reasonable people will look at that, kind of lower their heads and say to themselves, yeah, that's that's about right. I'll take my loss. So, um, I mean, of course I'm kidding. Uh, or, or am I? <laughs> I, I, it's sort of the opposite of the early payout, uh, like the Alabama thing where they paid exactly. out early. This is just a guaranteed to lose uh, uh, collect early sort of sort of situation. I, yeah, and it, I would support that for the coin flip as well on uh, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 25 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 24 episodes, or even if you haven't missed any of them, but you just love the sound of our voices so much that you need to listen a second time, you can find every episode on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Yeah, Eric, coming up a little later on the podcast, uh, we'll be speaking to noted sports better Brad Feinberg, who recently found himself in the news due to the timely sale of a major, major bet ticket to some semi-famous buyers. Uh, it's Super Bowl week, obviously, so it's a perfect time to talk with Brad about the big game from the better's perspective. Uh, there's a lot of other news to cover in the gambling world this week, yet again. Uh, some Super Bowl related, some not, so let's get right to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. 
We start with a Super Bowl story, specifically a Super Bowl coverage story. CBS, the network carrying the big game this year, has revealed its policy is not to mention sports betting during the broadcast, uh, not even during the pregame show. This policy does not apply to all things CBS, though, as on CBSSports.com, you can find several articles that explore the betting lines. So there's some hypocrisy there, perhaps, or at least some inconsistency. Uh, meanwhile, iconic broadcaster and gambling enthusiast Brent Musburger called CBS out when he was a guest on the Sports Illustrated Media podcast this week, saying of sports betting, quote, you're sticking your head in the sand as an executive if you don't at least address it, end quote. Uh, and he added... CBS is ignoring it and shame on them. Uh, what's your take, John? Do you say shame on CBS also, or do you think CBS is justified in approaching the game this way? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Musburger because as uh, most of us listening to this broadcast or, or doing this uh, podcast, uh, we know that both uh, Musburger and Al Michaels for decades would snake in a late game reference, especially yep. to a backdoor double digit cover or an over bet coming in. And I guess it went over the heads of a lot of casual viewers. But uh, I would say stick to basically that. Let the game play out as is. And in the case of a close point spread like this one, I don't see the point in mentioning it. Um, but if the score is out of hand and there could be a late over under drama, I think it's fine to note. Maybe that some viewers in seven more states now may be eagerly <laughs> watching uh, the end of this game because they, too, can legally bet on the game. Something like that would not be out of place. Um, the real danger to me is announcers talking about the first half point spread or what a big payoff it is for those who had a special teams player scoring the first touchdown. You know, I think that would be kind of obnoxious for, you know, for the overall fan. But um, looking into the future, we know where this is going. A parallel broadcast where the entire game is described from the focus of an active gambler. Yeah, that, that's certainly uh, something that, that we could see coming and that uh, I know in the in the D.C. area, they've dabbled with uh, experiments like that already. You know, you have to wonder if, if this decision to to come out and just say we're not going to talk about sports betting on the broadcast, whether that was the result of a directive from the NFL and that this is CBS not wanting to piss off the NFL. That's certainly uh, possible, but Pro probable, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, OK, I'm going to I'm going to up you're taking the over on possible. OK, yes. um, but. You know, in terms of just the whole approach, I might surprise some people here, given my liberal attitude toward most things. But I'm I'm fine with Nance and Romo not mentioning betting at all during the game. Um, I, I I don't know that they needed a public order from CBS not to, but I do think it's kind of unnecessary during the game, especially the Super Bowl with with lots of kids and casual sports fans watching. I don't know that it's the right time and place to open the door for an explainer of how the spread works or, or what the over under is. I think your attitude is, is, is a good one that if the game is kind of out of hand and there's not, not much else to talk about, the situation may call for it. And certainly uh, I think everyone can agree. We want to avoid going that route of, you know, every play is followed by a comment on how that impacts some sort of prop bet. But what I will say is I think CBS is making a mistake by not welcoming betting talk during the pregame. Uh, you know, what, what do they have, like an 18-hour pregame show? They have a lot of time to fill. There's only so many emotional vignettes you can show, uh, only so much of ex-players fake laughing at each other's jokes. Uh, they absolutely should acknowledge the betting lines on the pregame show, and they could even have a lot of fun with the props if they wanted to. So that's the point where I disagree with CBS. I think uh, that's a, a missed opportunity there. Uh, well, I'm I'm a little wishy-washy on that. I mean, there's only eight states that have it legal, so um, you know, I, I think I think I guess if they could they could do that and hedge and say, listen, 
uh, you know, only eight states are legal here, so don't, uh, don't, uh, you know, I, I'm changing my mind. I, I don't want to go for that at all. <laughs> no, not, not nah. even, not even just a, nah. a a little segment here where you put up the line and, and talk about mm, it that way. I don't know. I don't think CBS needs to be encouraging people to bet illegally. All right, I guess uh, I'm, I'm still, uh, despite me trying to backtrack from uh, my liberal reputation, I may be still <laughs> the more liberal of the two on this point. But. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> all right, uh, breaking up the Super Bowl talk a little with our uh, next story, we have legislative talk, uh, and we'll focus on the East Coast this week, uh, as there have been varying degrees of progress toward bringing legal sports betting to New York, Washington, D.C., and Massachusetts. In New York, uh, a meeting you covered on Monday in Manhattan, John, uh, underscored that the state is on two very different timelines. Live sports betting will come to the states for upstate casinos very soon. Online sports betting is probably at least three years away. In D.C., the fast-tracking continues. This week, a sports betting bill advanced out of one committee and into another, with a vote scheduled for next Tuesday, February 5th, despite some opposition to the D.C. lottery's vendor, Intralot, getting the mobile contract without a bid process. And in Massachusetts, there are five different sports betting bills in the works, including one presented by Governor Charlie Baker. So there's a lot of action, a lot of rushing, uh, except where online in New York is concerned. What part of this potpourri of news do you find most interesting, John? Uh, Eric, I, th- I think Massachusetts, uh, there's such a variety of options to choose from there. You know, the governor's bill would allow daily fantasy sports operators, uh, such as Boston-based DraftKings, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. to compete for an online sports betting license. Um, it's kind of on one end of the spectrum. More competition obviously tends to be better for bettors. Um, but in many states, such as New Jersey, the setup is such that you can't offer online sports betting uh, unless you have one of the three skins associated with a casino or a racetrack. Uh, now, will DraftKings or FanDuel be able to compete with nothing uh, in it for those other operators at all as they get the license? Um, those operators you know, may have invested heavily in the state for many years. Um, I think I think that's a fair debate. Uh, on the other end, obviously, is D.C., where the lottery may soon claim its monopoly on sports betting. Um, I expect they would make a killing for the 2019 football season with regional legal exclusivity. Uh, takeout will be brutal. And Maryland, Virginia would be wise to publicize the difference once they finally get rolling in a couple of years. Um, But I I think the marketplace for small time lottery regulars adding sports betting to their their gambling mix is is probably more vast than I think some people are realizing. Uh, Obviously, savvy bettors are going to avoid the sports betting lottery as much as they avoid the lottery. Um, (laughs) And finally, and finally for New York, uh, I've been shorting online sports betting in New York since last summer. Uh, I was at an event upstate and and I could I kind of noticed how little interest there is in a legislature in this topic. They just have a hundred things they're more interested in. Um, so I feel if reality is sort of set, finally setting in on some cockeyed dreamers uh, uh, about this, um, no online sports betting for three plus years in New York, probably the same for onsite at Yonkers Raceway, which was just bought by MGM and Aqueduct. It's just going to take time and New Yorkers are going to have to be patient or more likely just cross the Hudson and bring some tax dollars to New Jersey. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's been a lot of that already. And it sounds like there'll be more of that for the next few years to come. I'm mostly of the mind that it's better to take your time and do something right than to just rush and get it done. Uh, do I sound like a parent with kids in their early years of doing homework or what? Um, but it, it it does feel like D.C. is rushing and implementing a bad mobile sports betting system, uh, but it, it might just be temporarily, as we've noted before. They kind of have the option to to change it up after, after the, the first sort of uh, wave here. But um, at the same time, New York uh, certainly doing the opposite of, of rushing with their online plans. 
they could easily set up a faster timeline and do it well. All they have to do is look at the setup across the bridge in New Jersey and see that it's working. It's generating tax dollars. It's being well regulated. Just follow their lead. Do pretty much what they're doing. Uh, But as you've said on this show several times, New York politics, Albany politics, nothing is ever as simple as it should be. Uh, Meanwhile, the the Gaming Commission and the governor both have concluded that a constitutional amendment is needed. That has to be two consecutive years of of, uh, uh, legislative sessions. And then it goes to the the statewide referendum. Uh, That's the third year. Uh, That's not even a guarantee to win, which nobody ever thinks about. So um, I for better or for worse, they're stuck in that process. So there's not a lot they can do to speed it up now. Right. I don't, I don't want to ask a sports book to set a, a line on whether I'm still alive to see online sports betting in New York, but it, it's it's not a slam dunk. The, the, this could this could drag out a, a while. Um, yeah, bet, the, bet the under on me there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but in terms of Massachusetts, it, it seems like they're looking at Rhode Island stealing away business from them, uh, and, and, and they want in soon. Simple as that. Um, and, and that really... Uh, is an interesting trend line to watch here. You know, you have D.C. hurrying to beat Maryland and Virginia. You have Massachusetts and and maybe Connecticut hurrying uh, to to keep up with Rhode Island. As one state gets sports betting, it wakes up its neighboring states, and and, and that's going to keep sports betting moving geographically. You you can see it happening all throughout the Northeast, uh, and you have to assume it's it's going to start happening farther to the West also. Oh, I I saw it happen uh, in uh, with casinos in the 1990s. You know. Um, mm-hmm. It started out uh, northeast expansion, and then um, the Midwest started going, and then finally other parts of the country started to eventually catch up. The exact same thing is rolling out here with sports betting. Yeah. All right, back to the Super Bowl for our third and final story, Uh, except in the last 24 hours or so, this has expanded beyond the Super Bowl. This news item now includes the Academy Awards as well. Uh, Yes, we're talking about the rapidly evolving rules on what is and isn't allowed at the legal New Jersey sports books. Late in the day Wednesday, it was reported that the NJDGE was going to allow bets on the Oscars, uh, which are less than a month away uh, and are something Nevada has never allowed bets on. Uh, As for Super Bowl props, we weren't totally sure what would and wouldn't be allowed in New Jersey, but now we know. You can bet on the coin toss, you can bet on the Gatorade color, but you can't bet on the national anthem or the halftime show. Uh, John, I know you spoke to somebody in the know about this recently, so do your best to explain to us what the rules are here. Uh, yes, I, I spoke with uh, PointsBet US CEO Johnny Aiken, who has one of the uh, uh, licenses in New Jersey to offer online sports betting. And he explained to me last week that the regulations are basically that if a league person, a player, a coach, an official, and so on, controls the action of the bet, that's fine. So obviously that means the game, but the league also controls the coin, coin toss. Players control the color of the Gatorade they choose to douse the coach with, um, so they're okay. Um, I, I don't like the second one, the Gatorade color. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I. I don't. I don't go for that. Um, I kind of get it, but I think that's a little bit too far. Uh, as far as the Oscars, um, I, I flinched at first hearing this Wednesday night. Um, but when I think about it, you know, what is more tightly under wraps? What is more tightly regulated? Where is there more integrity? so to speak, than the winner of the Oscars. Um, you know, basically nobody knows what it is. Um, allowing for wagering on, say, the winner of a reality TV show would be crazy. But the Oscars, uh, yes. I mean, I, I can't imagine, say, a Steve Harvey or Warren Beatty, like, reading the wrong name out for the winner. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's never going to happen. So uh, <laughs> the whole thing is definitely, uh, it's, it's good. Um, yeah, the the Gatorade, uh, one is, is a very gray area to me as it, as it sounds like it is to you. I mean, I, I get that technically it's on the field of play and it's an action of NFL personnel, but 
we don't really know much about who fills those buckets, uh, how it's decided. I, it feels like opening the door to funny business uh, unless you're really limiting the bets. Uh, th- that's the key for a lot of this stuff. If there's like exactly. a $100 cap on those bets, yes. then, then I guess that's fine. Nobody's pulling any shenanigans at those stakes. Um, that's right. And, and I'm certainly fine with the coin toss. Um, you know, <laughs> better beware. It's a it's a terrible <laughs> bet at any kind of minus odds. But betting on that should be legal as long as playing roulette is legal. Um, but yeah, with with the Oscars, it is same same attitude uh, as I have toward the the Gatorade thing. The key is to limit the dollar amounts. Um, I guess there's a large enough pool of Oscars voters that you aren't going to see one vote swing much of anything. But still. Hypothetically, if the bets were big enough, you know, if someone put a half million bucks on Green Book for best picture at three to one and and this was, again, in this hypothetical scenario, if this was before the voting took place, could they bribe a bunch of voters? Uh, you know, so I, I, that's why I think it's a very important to keep these dollar amounts limited. Um, all, all I'll say, you know, is, is the uh, New Jersey DG should watch out. You know, they're, they keep expanding here. I just advise them to be careful and don't poke the bear. You know, we have legal sports betting. It's going well. Don't step over the line and ruin it for everybody. Yeah, I, I doubt that they will. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. It is Super Bowl week which means it's Super Bowl betting week, which makes this a perfect time to welcome back to the show a guest we spoke with last year, veteran sports better Brad Feinberg. Uh, Since we last had him on the podcast, Brad became a member of the NBC Sports Philadelphia team. He's the betting expert on the show The Daily Line. Plus, he recently made some news pertaining to a Super Bowl futures bet he sold. So we have a lot to talk about. Brad, welcome back to Gamble On. Oh, great to be back on, guys. I look forward to it very much. So let's talk about that bet you sold. Uh, you, you made a, a big bet a while back on the Saints at 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. You risked $8,000 to win 160000 But prior to the NFC Championship, you sold the ticket on a site called PropSwap for $57,500 to two hosts of the Fox Sports show Lock It In, uh, Cousin Sal Iacano and Clay Travis. Um, if we're being results-oriented, it was a brilliant move by you. Uh, walk us through your decision and the calculations you made and, and why you felt that dollar amount was right to sell the bet. Yeah, well, listen, again, I had I was fortunate. Uh, I had guys, I had big positions on Kansas City Chiefs and the Rams and the Saints. They were my three biggest bets before the year. I went very aggressive on those three. And New Orleans was the most aggressive of them by far. I, I really felt that getting 20 to one odds on them was a joke. I, you know, I, I thought they would win you know, I thought 12 games and I just thought the odds were severely mispriced. So I, I kept betting it, betting it, betting it, betting it, betting it until you know the odds disappeared. Um, and what I was trying to do though, is even though I, I did really think I really felt that they would beat Los Angeles, but I mean, as anyone who pets games or even doesn't bet games can tell you, I mean, you're, you're going to be wrong, even if you're amazing at this 45% of the time, <laughs> you know, like in terms of the spread. And, right. um, you know, I, I didn't want to be uh, over. I wanted to lower my exposure on New Orleans, uh, still you know, have a great position on them, but I didn't want that. I, I thought I was overly exposed to them in terms of, um, you know, Los Angeles was a 13-3 and three team. And I actually will say this. I also felt, even though I did the 
New Orleans was going to win the game, guys. I watched every play of theirs this year. When I say every play, I mean I'm probably the only person in the state of Pennsylvania watched every play of the New Orleans Saints this year. I watched every one. Starting with that Dallas game, until the end of the season, they really didn't play a great game. Um, and I really started to see severe slippage in Drew Brees. Um, and it made me more willing to part with the ticket. And when I actually I did the math on it, and you know they got plus 192 price, which is the highest price you were going to see in the market in terms of what any casino was offering. When I did the math, you know they were a minus 160 favorite guys, and that translates into 0.615 in terms of your percentage of the game winning. Mm-hmm. And I thought they'd be 50-50 in the Super Bowl, which is 0.50. And actually, you know, the Rams were about a dollar fifty underdogs. So if anything, it looks like I may have even been generous in the price in the Saints. But if you take 0.615 times 0.50, that translates into about a 30% chance of the Saints winning the Super Bowl, which means they should have really been about plus 230 area, plus you know, plus 233. I think it came out actually. So that 192 was actually a very good price for me also. Okay. So and so just to to be clear, the ticket that you sold, what you're saying is you had a bunch of tickets on the Saints. So you you still Yes, it was not uh, my okay. only ticket. Yeah, okay. I had a bunch of tickets. Okay. Yeah, so I you were just, uh, he- you know, covering your covering your bases a little bit but still had plenty of investment in the Saints that that didn't work out. And I also thought I was getting it again, but the key was guys, again, I'm I'm I, I just psychologically I can't take the worst of it and while I was giving them a better fill than they were getting in any casino, that doesn't mean that the casino. It's a you know people assume if, oh if the best price the casino is offering you is plus 180, then plus 190 must be a good price. Well, not necessarily. The casino is offering you plus 180 because it's not a fair price. You follow gotcha. what I'm saying? Yep. You know, so really the two-way market should have been much higher than that. Right. The uh, the only people in a casino who aren't uh, gambling is the owner. Right. I know that one. <laughs> well um, said, guys. Yeah, well so, said. Uh, it's yeah, true. And, uh, for those listening this far into the podcast, uh, I'll. Keep it pretty simple and ask you what they no doubt want me to ask, which is, who do you like in the Super Bowl and, and in the over-under? Yeah, well, in terms of the game, guys, again, I, I made this game pick. Um, now, I thought I did bet immediately New England minus 101 with the money line because I knew um, that, who, again, who's going to bet the Rams here? You know, you, you, you have a situation where the last game everyone saw was Brady doing it yet again, Belichick doing it yet again, and you're really going to have to give people a reason to – to bet the Rams, and, I, and I, I knew that there would be a bias, and that line would go to two, two and a half, and it looks like it's even going to hit three in some places. So, you know, I do think the game's 50-50. I don't love the game because I think it's 50-50, but I actually will say if you you take um, the Rams getting, like, let's say, a plus thirty with the money line, I do think there's value with that because I think it's a 50-50 game. I think it is going to be a high-scoring game. The total, I think, right now is around 57 uh, I made it 57, so I'm not going to be betting it, but I would have a lean towards the over because I do think that both teams will score um, in the high 20s at least, and I think one of the, I think the winning team will get at least 30, so I would definitely have a lean towards the over. Hmm. All right, so those are the the straightforward bets uh, for the Super Bowl. Um, but w- with this game in particular, there are also the wacky bets. Everybody goes nuts for these Super Bowl props. So two questions: uh, Do you sure. personally like to bet Super Bowl props? And are there one or two props that are standing out to you this week? Yeah, I do like doing it. And I I will say this, and it's it's funny. It's like over time, like I've been doing this, guys. I've been betting Super Bowl props for I want to say 
close to maybe 20 years I've been doing it, mm. and it has gotten a lot more efficient. It's gotten it's gotten harder. The people who are making the props are putting up better numbers than they used to. Uh, it used to be going to the candy store before, where I could just pick off bad number after bad number after bad number. Now, despite there being like you know, I've had over 300 shop props to choose from. It's harder to find the good ones. I did bet James White over four and a half receptions when it first opened, uh, and that number is now up to five and a half or six. I mean, and I I got that one immediately. Um, I did bet, and this is again, I think I, this is still widely available. Uh, Robert Woods over sixty nine and a half receiving yards. He's thirteen and five to the over on that this year. You know, so hmm. and again, I, I also do a lot of the fantasy guys, and Robert Woods was on. Um, a bunch of my teams. I like consistent players. He was good in virtually every game this year. So I expect a very professional, consistent outing from him. Uh, Two others I did bet that are available. While I do like James White to have a good game, I laid minus 160. He doesn't score a touchdown. Uh, In his last nine games, he's only hit the end zone twice. And the main reason for that is he's not going to get a touchdown running the ball in all likelihood because they usually go to Michelle or Burkhead, and he was getting touchdowns earlier on running the ball when Michelle was injured and Burkhead was injured. So now he more or less has to just get a receiving touchdown, which, again, he can do it, but I'm more to lay a dollar sixty. he doesn't because I think the odds should be more like minus 220 on the no, and I laid 160 on the no. Uh, and lastly, usually these bets are never going to have any edge, but I actually think this one does, guys. I bet Robert Woods at 15-1 to to score the first touchdown. Hmm. I think the true math on it's more like 13 to 1. Again, not an amazing play taking 15 to 1, but if I make enough of those bets, um it's worth me doing and and I again, I actually think he should be according to my math based on how both seasons have played out for both teams, he should be about 13 to 1 area. So 15 to 1 was very very fair. Yeah, I, I like those. And the the Robert Woods over 69 and a half yards is interesting just because I've heard a lot of people saying this week that uh, they expect Belichick to try to shut down Brandon Cooks, which will just open up more opportunities for Robert Woods if indeed that's the case. Yeah, and you could also even, and I, and I don't disagree with that at all. And if you really want to take it to next level thinking, you know, maybe, and I don't have, I don't have this quite in me, but uh, people I spoke to said, yeah, they expect the the Cooks thing, like you said, but also, and then, you know, maybe like the, they try to take out Kelsey Ann Hill. Again, sometimes these things are easier said than done, but maybe, and that opened up, like I bet last week, Sammy Watkins at 16 to 1 odds to have the mm-hmm. most receiving yards on the card, which I, I got hit. I luck, I got lucky. It won because, you know, they threw to him. And maybe people are saying Josh Reynolds because potentially if he tries to take out the top two guys and Josh Reynolds over under isn't so high, but. I still I trust Woods. Um, I he's the guy that I has been consistent all year on that team, even more so than Gurley. Um, so that's that's where I'm that's where I'm putting my money. Okay, yeah, Brad. Uh, you know, no doubt a lot of betters, uh, large and small, are zoned in on trying to get a plus three on the Rams this week somehow. I'm picturing 24-hour refreshes from a lot of people, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, how much of a factor should that really be for gamblers uh, in reality? Oh. Given that, yeah, you know, I, I want to say that it's unlikely that it impacts who wins the bet, um, but the victory margin in the Patriots Super Bowls and the Belichick Brady era is three, three. Three, three, four, four, overtime, which is sort of a zero, and eight. Last year's real blowout. <laughs> so, um, so, so, you what, how, how important you, is that? Yeah, you just answered your own question. So incredibly important. I think you, you, you nailed it. And it's funny. Listen, a recreational better, guys. 
you know, this may be bet. You know, they want to bet their twenty bucks on the Super Bowl and have fun. That's you know, they may say, you know what, it's two and a half. I don't really care, and that's fine. But someone who's actually really trying to do this, not necessarily even for a living, but they just they're doing it on a more serious nature and they're betting more potentially a bigger bet. The three is worth everything. When a team is a three point favorite, they win the game by three ten percent of the time. So let's just look at it like this. You know, like if, if they if you were to bet this game and the line went to three hundred times, you theoretically they're saying it would be forty five percent New England, forty five percent uh, Los Angeles and 10% tie. So if you can, you know, you're, you're saving yourself a 10% thing. Like if, you know, if you're laying two and a half, instead of losing money on the juice, 45 and 45, you're actually now you're, you're winning 55 to 45. It's, it, it means everything. And you know, don't be lazy. I believe the William Hill, they, they, they did have three laying 110 for a while. I think it's now plus three minus 120. last mm-hmm. I checked, but yeah, I mean, if you can find that three, that is worth. I can't stress to any listener out there enough. If you get, if you're really, especially if you're betting real money, the biggest number is three. You know, seven's also big, but nowhere near as big as three. Three is kind of like the uh, to give you guys a comparison when you go to a craps table. Okay, rolling the seven. You know, doesn't mean it's going to come out seven, but seven is the most prevalent number that you're going to find, and that's you know, same thing with three in, in football. Really interesting stuff. It is always a pleasure uh, picking your brain and talking to you about betting, Brad. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, uh, and congrats again on the successful uh, prop swap, and certainly uh, good luck uh, with all your bets on Sunday. I've had a lot of fun, guys, and I'll do it anytime you guys want. Thanks for having me. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to our highly official Super Bowl picks shortly, our final NFL picks of the season. But first, an update on our shared bankroll. Uh, Only one new result to report. Uh, John made a small $50 bet on Brent Snedeker to finish in the top five last week. Uh, It was a plus 1,100 long shot, and it didn't pan out, uh, snapping John's golf winning streak and moving us from $40 in the black to $10 in the red. (laughs) Uh, Has this broken your golf confidence, John? No, I think of it. The tens of thousands we've uh, sort of risked on this imaginary bankroll. And we're on $10 in the red. <laughs> it is kind of amazing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we have three Super Bowl bets that we made last week. So just to remind you of those, if you want to root along with us at home on Sunday, we put $105 on the game going over 57.5 points. And the total has since dropped a point to 56.5, meaning whether it wins or loses, my belief that I was getting the number at the right time has been proven wrong. Uh, John also put $50 on... On Gronk at nine to one to finish the game with the most receiving yards, and I put twenty dollars on Edelman at fifty to one to win MVP. Uh, if you count those three bets, we have one thousand eighty-five dollars on hold in futures bets. And as I said a moment ago, we're down ten bucks overall, so that leaves us with eight thousand nine hundred and five dollars to risk this week. And I'm up first. Uh, I really like Brad's no touchdown for James White bet. But I can't find it anywhere, uh, so I'm not going to bet it if I can't find the odds myself. So instead, I'm making another Julian Edelman bet. 
over seven receptions is plus 112 at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, at some other books, the line is a tiny bit lower. The line is six and a half, but with crazy minus 155 juice to take the over. Uh, obviously, people are jumping on the over there, as they should. Uh, Edelman is the guy Tom Brady looks to when he needs a third down completion. Uh, he, he's not the huge play guy. He's not the favorite end zone target. But when Brady needs to move the chains or when he wants to pick up seven or eight yards on first down, it's Edelman. Edelman had seven catches on 10 targets against the Chiefs. He had nine catches on 13 targets against the Chargers. In the 2016 postseason, he had eight, eight, and five. In the 2015 postseason, he had 10 and seven. In 2014, eight, eight, and nine. And in 2013, six and 10. That's his playoff history since becoming a starting wide receiver. So to total it all up there, 12 playoff games, if the line is seven, he has seven overs, three unders, and two pushes. Uh, I will risk the push uh, to get that plus money. Uh, I love this bet at plus 112. So I am betting 150 of our imaginary dollars to win 168. Well, that's uh, th- those numbers are so compelling that I got a bad feeling about them. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm way too confident, yeah. especially b- beefing up my bet from the usual 100 to 150. It's yeah. guaranteed to fail now. I, I'm not going to be happy if I see Adam limping off the field in the first quarter. <laughs> Um, uh, meanwhile, I'm, I'm willing to give 115 to win 100 on Tom Brady being under 299.5 yards. That's a that's a good number. That that's going to take a couple of really big plays. Um, I don't know if they're going to get that off. So uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that one. Okay, uh, gotta hope uh, for our sake that it doesn't look like last year's Super Bowl. I haven't looked up the number in a while, but what he finished with like. 490 something last year, something <laughs> ridiculous like that. But I, I, I do. I, th- I think you're right. It seems more likely than not that he comes in under that 300 mark. Um, all right. My next bet here, I have another player prop and it's a little risky because it involves Todd Gurley and who knows what we're getting out of Gurley. Who's had health issues the last several games and who kind of lost his job or at least part of his job to CJ Anderson. But as the chiefs and Damian Williams reminded us in the AFC championship, The Patriots defense is vulnerable to running backs who can catch the ball. Williams had five catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns in the air. Uh, The line for receiving yards for Gurley at play sugar house is just 30 and a half. You do have to lay minus 120 on the over, but I think that line is too low. Uh, I did some, some research here as well, just like I did with Edelman Uh, in 14 regular season games this year, Gurley went over 30 and a half receiving yards, 10 times out of 14. So I'm assuming decent health after the two week break. And I'm risking 120 to win 100 on the over. All right. Sounds pretty good. Um, meanwhile, uh, skip those silly pregame shows on Sunday. Watch the PGA Golf in Phoenix before the game, especially if you think golf is too stuffy and too quiet and the players are too soft. Uh, and this one, tens of thousands of golf fans, uh, many of them well lubricated, uh, surround the par 3 16th green. They react to each tee shot like ancient Romans offering thumbs up and thumbs down as to who lives and who dies. Um, it's uh, it's quite a scene, especially for those who have stereotypes about what they think golf's all about and what it frankly usually is all about right um now i should be taking phil mickelson at 100 to win 275 if he finishes in the top 10 because uh well i won't even go through the reasons but instead give me taylor gooch yes taylor gooch at 50 to win 475 if he makes the top 10 uh gooch has finished the top five in each of the last two tour events i'm just going for top 10 at almost 10 to 1 uh and the course conditions here are a decent match for those two so uh we're due to win a big one and i think here it is 
Okay. Uh, this is uh, this is the the first time that you've made a golf bet involving someone I've never even heard of. Uh, you know the the Brant Snedeker. I'm not a hardcore golf fan, but I know enough to be familiar with the Brant Snedekers of the world. But Taylor Gooch, that's a new one to me. Oklahoma State product like Ricky Fowler and a lot of other tour players. Uh, he's got he's got some pedigree. He was injured last year. I. I uh, I, I think it's got a shot. All right. I like it. Uh, all right. And now we're going to wrap things up with our Super Bowl picks. Uh, the most common line I'm seeing as of our recording time is Patriots by two and a half. Uh, so let's make our picks. I'm first. I'm not going to go 11 and 0 in the postseason, but I do have a shot at eight and three. That, w- that would be a record to be proud of. So I thought long and hard about this. I want to get it right. I think these are evenly matched teams. Uh, the Patriots always play close games in the Super Bowl, as you discussed with Brad earlier. I expect another close game, and Sean McVay might, just might, be the kind of guy who could actually win the coaching battle against uh, Bill Belichick. At even money, would I pick the Rams to win outright? Probably not. But if you're giving me a one-point or two-point Pats win also, I'm taking that. Gotta go Rams, plus two and a half. Uh, Although, in real life, I haven't bet it yet, and I'm hoping I get a chance to pounce on it somewhere at three if I'm in New Jersey in the next couple of days at at the right time when the line moves. But even at two and a half, if I have to pick, my pick is the Rams. Yeah, Brad sold me. I I would not take the Rams with two or two and a half either. It's plus three or bust. And in that vein, I'm going uh, sort of off the board. I'd rather have Rams 100 to win 118 on the money line. Um, I haven't seen a plus three Thursday morning. So give me the money line. It's finally, I think... Patriots will actually have to launder, launder Tom Brady's jersey for dirt stains after the game with all those sacks. And he's finally going to feel his age uh, as he lands on the turf. So uh, that's hence the under on 299.5 as well. <laughs> all right. So you're breaking the rules of our uh, picks competition and just making up your own rules. Huh? I see. Uh, well, it it's uh, they, it, it's not a competitive contest anymore. <laughs> True. It's not coming down to this game. So sure. No. Go ahead. Take the money line. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please share a pearl of wisdom and take us out. Uh, thanks, Eric. You know, for those of us in the Northeast and Midwest, uh, and we are two of them, uh, you know it's friggin' cold out there today. <laughs> yes. Well, you may not know as an experts, and I swear this is true, they say that if you must go out at all, not only to avoid taking deep breaths, which I might not think of but makes sense, but no talking. It's too cold to talk outside today. I <laughs> never heard of that before. So, I mean, well, until next time, gamble on. Gamble on.